Hey, what's going on? It's Bill Byrne. It's time for the Monday Morning Podcast for Monday, February 21st, 2022. Two, two, two. How the hell are you? What's going on in your world? It's Omar, but it's the dead of fucking winter. Back east. Oh, Jesus Christ. Snowing all over the place. You know, for some reason, I don't even remember. I don't even remember why, which is why I initially said for some reason. And then I figured in case you weren't familiar with that expression, I would then say in case you don't remember why. Um, I was looking up this shit on uh, the Great Lakes. I don't know why. For the 50th time. I don't even remember what it was, but they were talking about how they can actually have hurricanes. Ah, Jesus, Bill. You know, only you, only you would bring up some shit that you can't remember. Um, Great Lakes Hurricane 1913. Here we go. They had this fucking hurricane in 1913. This is before the Weather Channel or even like radio or even that thing going... Maybe they had that Morse code. Get the fuck out of the fucking water. They didn't have any of that shit. The Great Lakes Storm of 1913, historically referred to as the Big Fucking Blow or Freshwater Fury and the White Hurricane, the Great White Hope, the White Hurricane, uh, was a blessing with hurricane force winds that devastated the Great Lakes Basin in the Midwestern United States and Southwestern Ontario, Canada, from November 7th to November 10th in 1913. The storm was most powerful on November 9th, battering and overturning ships on four of the five Great Lakes, particularly Lake Huron. Now, Lake Huron doesn't get a lot of, doesn't get, you know, everybody knows Lake Michigan. That's but night there with Chicago. My kind of... Town Chicago is a lot of racism. Chicago is keeping people separate. Chicago is eating more than your fucking share. Sorry. Um, And then Lake Erie, because everybody thinks that caught on fire in Cleveland when it was really like an inlet. And then you got uh, Lake Ontario. Of course, the Lake Ontario Playhouse, the Ontario Senators, the Ottawa Senators, sorry. Then you got Lake Superior. Everybody remembers that because, you know, it thinks it's better than everybody else. And then like the fucking odd man out. You know, it's like that other Manning brother that never played football or they only or got hurt. Is Lake Huron. Lake Huron, particularly on Lake Huron. The storm was deadliest and most destructive. Was the most deadliest and natural uh, and destructive natural disaster to hit the lakes in recorded history. More than two hundred and fifty people were killed. Right? No smartphones. No weather channel. All you had was some old guy talking about how his fucking big toe was acting up, and then you had to look at him like, "Is his big toe acting up because he's fucking old, or does that mean there's a hurricane coming?" I don't know. I say we take a shot, right? And then they go out in the lake and they're never heard from again. Uh, Shipping was hardest hit. 19 ships were destroyed and 19 others were stranded. About $100 million of cargo weighing 68,300 tons, including coal, 
iron ore and grain were lost. The storms that impacted many cities, including Duluth, been there. Chicago, been there. Cleveland, been I've bombed in all of those cities. I was the second coming <laughs> of the white hurricane in a bad way. Um, anyway, 79 mile apartments. I had no idea. I'd never heard of shit like that. And probably because, you know, everybody knows what's coming now. You know, I kind of have this theory now that accents are going away because everybody's just sort of talking like everybody, everybody on the internet, everybody's doing what everybody's doing, right? As I have, I still have my accent, but that's just because I'm a moron. I've been out here long enough, but generally speaking, I kind of feel like they're going to go away at some point. Everybody's just going to talk like a news reporter. I am from Alabama. Mm, I am from Illinois and I am from Massachusetts. You have to, to, to tell the truth to figure it out. Um, all right, let's get on to what I want to talk about. Watch what crappens live. That's what I want to talk about. Watch what crappens live is a uh, is a podcast that basically makes fun of um, the Real Housewives and all of that shit, right? So my wife, my wife, always listens to it. So. I was like, all right, you know, it's in the car. I'm trying to be easier to get, a, you know, to get along with, you know. So, you know, I'll listen to this shit. And I started listening to it. And these two guys were fucking funny as hell, Ben and Ronnie. And they basically go on there and they just recap what has happened on these Real Housewife shows. And they imitate everybody on the, it's like SNL for real housewives and uh I got to admit I don't e- I don't even know what they're talking about 90% of the time but they're both so fucking funny I've just started listening to it. So, long story short, they were doing what uh watch what crappens uh next um whatever, watch what happens. I've always always fuck it up. They were performing at a theater downtown in LA. So Nia goes, "You know, I was going to bring one of my girlfriends, she can't make it. Do you want to go?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'll go." She's like, are you sure? She always has to make sure I'm not going to fuck things up because she loves these guys. So I'm like, yeah, no, I'll go down there. I'll, I'll have a great time. I'd love to go watch a show and not have to do a show, right? So I get in there, right? Bunch of broads. No, kidding. There was wall to wall women, basically. And I got to tell you something, man. They were going fucking nuts. It was like, uh, I, I highly recommend doing this, stepping into a world that you are paying no attention to and just seeing and watching like fanatics of it because these two guys came out and like I said, I was watching the show. I probably only got about 15 to 20% of the jokes, but still just watching their performance. They basically, as far as I could tell, they have like bullet points. All right. This is a comedian. I was just fascinated with it. They seemed like they had bullet points on what they wanted to talk about. And then they would just sort of improv on it. And they both had all of their impressions down. And they never stepped on each other. They did like a two-hour show. They were absolutely destroying. And then when they were doing some of the more popular characters, the crowd would start clapping the second they did them. 
like uh, like when you would watch SNL and there's like a popular character and you know who comes in like halfway through the sketch, right? So um, I got to tell you, man, I had a fucking blast at that show, and the woman next to me, like these women were going off, man. She drank like the woman next to me passed out. <laughs> Like I was hanging out with Bartnick or something. She went that hard. She passed out under her husband's shoulder, like at a live podcast. I mean, I never, like she was like tailgate level drinking. It was fucking awesome. And um, I don't know if you get a chance to see those guys live or check out their podcast. It's called uh, Watch What Crappens Next. And, um, you know, my favorite impressions they do are the New Jersey ones because East coast people are just inherently hilarious. I don't know why, probably because we're all a bunch of meatheads or whatever, but when they do them, that's like one of my favorites. And then when they imitate and, uh, Andy Cohen, um, I love that one too. And, uh, and then there was a couple that, I don't know, like the other ones I didn't know, but they were just funny as hell, man. They are, uh, so whatever. So if you're like me and your wife, goes, hey, do you want to go see this shit? I, I highly recommend going there. And uh, what's great is if you want, you can go there and booze and you will not be the drunkest person there because uh, they were getting after it. And they were like, like, like halfway through the show, like the women were just like, just fucking talking. And they, they sort of plowed right through it. Went right, they were still killing over the top of it. And uh, I don't know, I, I really, really enjoyed it fucking hilarious absolutely fucking hilarious so there you go that's the uh, promoting that and also to bring it back around to myself um i got a really small part in a really big movie really big shoe uh dog starring channing tatum channing tatum is out right now channing tatum plays a uh i don't know if he's a veteran uh he's a member of the armed services all right and he's got this dog and he's got to get, you know, it's like get him to the Greek with a dog, basically, I think. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but definitely go see that. Uh, it, looks, it looks hilarious. You know, who doesn't love dogs? Who doesn't love Channing Tatum? And who, has a, who doesn't love a bald orange man showing up ever so briefly just to tease you? Tease you with, with, with a dash of ginger towards the end of it. Check that out. It's, uh, it's out now in the U.S., I don't know if you live other places. I don't know. It's it's all coming out this week. So check it out. I got to work with him. He was cool as shit. Uh, great guy and gave me a box of cigars. So shout out to him. And then also we have uh, the Anything Better podcast. Me and Paul Furzy. Episode 53 is up. It's available on YouTube and wherever you find your podcasts. All right. I think I handled everything. Was that it? Yeah, I think that that was it. And I'm still, I am still, I am still trying to get my wife to come on the podcast to talk about some shit. Um, to talk about some shit that I want to talk about, but there's no way I can fucking talk about it unless she's here to defend herself. So what I think it's going to be is it's going to be a little tragedy plus time. All right, because I asked her tonight. I asked her tonight, I was like, I was like, honey, you want to come on the podcast and talk about that little incident? She's like, no. I'm like, all right. She's like, I'm actually a little offended that you want to talk about it. And I was like, all right. 
Well, I started to talk about it on the podcast with Verzi, and I had him delete it. She's like, why would you want to talk about it? I go, because it's fucking hilarious. So I, I'll work on her. I'll work on her, and, and, and eventually I'll get her, uh, I'll get her to come around. Um, so anyway, I actually had a really good weekend. A buddy of mine, my old boss from back in the day when I used to work in this warehouse, was out here with his wife and family, and uh, I got to hang out with them. Um, and just talk about the fucking old days, which I cannot believe. I work with this guy from 1986 to 1990. No, 1989, I believe. And I was just thinking back, like, like how many years is that? Is that 20, 25 years? <laughs> like, oh my God. That's 36 years ago. Fuck. Fuck. Um, anyway, so we hung out, and uh, he's the exact same fucking guy he was. You know, I like to think I am too. We just pick, every time I see him, we just pick up right where we left off, hanging out, just laughing, having a great time. And eventually the conversation comes around to something that as a sports fan, I will always regret. You know, one day... You know, he came walking out to the warehouse area where I was with all the other animals shipping fucking software and stuff. Uh, And he goes, hey, he goes, I got an extra ticket for the Bruins versus the Whalers in Hartford. Um, I asked somebody else, you know, but do you want to, he hasn't got back to me. And uh, if he doesn't get back to me, do you want to go? And I was like, yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd love to go. I don't know why the fuck I never went to a fucking Whalers game. It was right there and I had a car. I just never did it. It just seemed like a million miles away. And then, of course, the other guy who was also, he was a good shit. Um, he ended up taking the ticket uh, at the last second. And I didn't get to go. And then, I don't know, you know, a couple of years goes by. Next thing you know, I don't know. I'm fucking doing stand-up. I leave the job. I never go to a Whalers game, and then they move to Carolina. And there's no more Hartford Whalers ever again. It kills me, as far as like places I didn't go as a hockey fan, that I never went to see a Whalers game. I didn't go to the Odd in Buffalo, and I didn't go up to uh, whatever the stadium was. I mean, this would have been a road trip and a half. I never went up to where the Quebec Nordiques played. Like, I should have done an Adams Division um, road trip. I did make it to a Montreal Canadiens game at the uh, the place before this place that they're playing in, which wasn't their original place. That was their second one. Um, I went to that one, the, old Mon- the second forum, fabulous forum. Um, I did go up there, you know, in the 80s during the second golden age of hockey, but um, I know I talked about this shit before, but that that's back when the level of fucking hatred, fucking hatred in your division, it was just, it was like everybody was just so close together. You know what I mean? The Patrick division was the greatest. I mean, you could drive to like all of those fucking teams other than Pittsburgh. Long Island, 
drive into Manhattan. In Long Island, you see the Islanders. Drive into Manhattan, see the Rangers. Go through the Lincoln Tunnel and fucking come out and go see the, uh, the New Jersey Devils. Drive down to Philly, to the Spectrum. I would have loved to have seen the 76ers there, right? All right. Go see the Flyers. Down to D.C. to see the Capitals. And the only one that was fucking odd man out was the Pittsburgh Penguins. Six-hour drive away from, uh, to Philly, five and a half, whatever. All depends if the fucking cops are out or not, dude. Um, yeah, so I was getting caught up with him, and I was writing with my buddy who's also another Boston guy, and we were just talking about movies and shit. Um, and we're talking about what a big deal ratings were back in the day. You know? Like directors wanted to get a rated PG if they got a rated R, like that really affected the box office and they used to fight with censors and all of that or they'd take something out or switch words around in the script so they could get a PG because then, you know, more families would come, more families, more tickets, more box office, you know, and then they could keep, you know, doing blow up in their fucking Hollywood Hills home as they tried to figure out what's the next movie. And I remember when I was a kid, after a while, if it wasn't rated R, I wouldn't even go to the movie. I had no fucking interest in it. I'm just like, These, this isn't going to be good. This is going to be fake, and it's going to have a happy ending. And uh, we were joking around about how people used to say, in, in Massachusetts, it was rated R. Rated R. <laughs> I can't even say... Forget about dropping R's. We couldn't even say R. It was ah. Q-R-S. <laughs> dude, let's go. My, dude, my parents took me to see a fucking rated R movie this weekend. Rated R. <laughs> rated A-H-H. Ah. Um. Oh, God. I really do love where I'm from. And if I didn't have kids, I swear to God, and if I could survive in this business, uh, I would definitely really consider going back there. Like, I think, uh, I don't know what it is. I think that that weekend I had last year, not weekend, the 10 days I spent back there, I'm at least going to do that every year. And my game plan is to, uh, you know, take my kids back and go to Red Sox games and get them rooting for the right teams, you know. But, you know, if they start rooting for L.A. teams, I'm not going to fight it uh, unless it's the Lakers. I mean, I, I can't have that. So how I combat it is I bring them back once a year. We'll go to a sporting event in the summertime, and then I get all four sports packages. And I don't force it on them. I just watch Bruins, Celtics, Patriots, and Red Sox games out here. So hopefully eventually they get into that. Oh, my God, that would fucking crush me. That would fucking crush me. Ah, the Lakers. Oh my God. Somehow they've almost eclipsed. I don't know. I wouldn't say the Yankees or the Canadians. Those are the big three though. You know, football's another deal. You know what I mean? Even if my, one of my kids became a Colts fan, I just think like Johnny Unitas, I think the real Colts, the Baltimore Colts, you know, not when they moved out to Indianapolis and got the sniffles and started complaining every time they lost in the playoffs. 
<laughs> That's not legal. Yes, it is. Well, it shouldn't be. Um, anyway, uh, I don't know. But anyway, getting back to it, I feel like, uh, yeah. But also, I go back there during the summer, so it's great. I'm not sitting there right now in the mis- misery, the fucking misery of January and February. Uh, shout out to anybody in the snowy cities. You're almost out of it. All right? We're going into March. In like a lamb, out like a lion, dude. Um, I don't miss that. I do not miss January to February through February. Those fucking, you know... 59 to six every once in a while, 60 days when you get a leap year. Do not miss that at all. But uh, I will tell you this. We were scouting some locations. Okay. I know that sounds Hollywood, but that's what we were doing, which just means you're looking at places to possibly shoot the bullshit that you wrote. And uh, we went out to a casino in, in uh, the middle of the desert and uh place ended up being great. And we were there, like, you know, we showed up, like, I don't know, probably around noon. And it was during the week, and it wasn't the holidays. So all it was was all, like, these snowbirds out there, all these old people. And uh I got to tell you something, man. They made retirement look really good. Because these were, like, people that were still drinking, you know? They weren't getting hammered, but, you know, they had, like, their fucking Rob Roy or whatever, an old-fashioned, whatever their fucking drink was. And I really realized the importance that when you get old and your kids move out and all of that, there has to be, you need another old couple in your life that you can go hang out with. (laughs) Because I saw... Like these four top tables and there would be two old guys and two old women and they were hanging out and they were just laughing, having a great time. And they were just part of that generation where you just, you know, they're just eating how they always ate and they're still having drinks and shit. And uh, this, I don't know, there's something really to be said about that. And I was just thinking like, the only thing that sucks about that, you, you have to wait for some reason to be that old to enjoy that life. You know? If anything makes me want to be smart and not fucking be an idiot with finances is like, when I look at that shit, like I would love, fucking love to do that. At like 65, just become like semi-retired. You know what I mean? And then just be that guy walking around with that shit-eating grin on your face because you don't give a fuck, you know? What are you doing today? Oh, I'm going to go out and get the paper. <laughs> Actually have time to read the paper. Can you imagine? You know, I went into a uh, a bodega to get a cream soda. I swear to God, I wanted a root beer and they didn't have it. So A&W makes a cream soda. So I was like, all right. At first, I thought it was the root beer. I was excited, but it was a cream soda. Underrated, cream soda. You know, it's a little too sweet, I'll be honest with you. It's kind of like me. It's a little sweet. Um, so anyway, um, 
I went in there and the guy had like newspaper racks. I was like, oh, do you sell the paper? And he's like, nah, nah, we stopped selling it four years ago. He's like, we just used the old newspaper racks to keep people away from the counter because of the COVID bullshit. And I was like, oh, all right, all right. And I was like, oh, that sucks. There's just, there's nothing better. Part of being an old man is you got to have a newspaper, right? You got to have it rolled up, you know? Smacking your pets on the snout, poking your grandkids in the chest. I said, you got, you, you, you've been in the icebox enough. Now sit down. God damn it. I grew up near the Great Lakes. The White Hurricane. You ever hear it? Um, yeah. I think all of this shit just when I think about retiring or, or, or moving back to Massachusetts or just sitting on a porch and drinking myself to death, that's my brain's dysfunctional way of saying, Bill, you need a vacation. <laughs> I know that sounds fucked up, but I kind of figured out how my brain works. My brain is all or nothing. That's why I had to stop boozing. And, you know, make sure my other bad habits, you know, stay in check. Because I'm either fucking in it or I'm out of it. So I just have to make sure that I apply it to the right thing. If I have that all-in thing with healthy shit, I'm in shape. I can have a project. I can make it happen. You know what I mean? I can make a dream come true or whatever. But if I'm, if it's the bad shit, then, then, all, then all of that stuff happens, you know? So I think that's just how my brain works. My brain can't process, Bill, why don't you just take a vacation? My brain immediately goes to, I'm fucking retiring from this shit, and I'm going to get a little house with a big back porch, and I'm just going to stare at some trees, and I'm going to get a 1,000 bottles of bourbon, and I'm going to see if I can finish all of them before I croak. Well, you know, Bill, you could take 10 days off here or there, recharge your batteries, get some stories, rediscover why it is you do what you do. You could do that, right? (laughs) I don't know. I'm fucked up. Um, Anyway, it's it's the NBA All-Star Weekend, everybody, a.k.a. the Horror Olympics. This is when the, the, the blue chip... Gold digging whores fly in to whatever city the game is in with nothing but thongs and turkey basters trying to get themselves impregnated by these 20-something-year-old and 30-something-year-old millionaires. And I'll tell you, I, w- I will know that, that feminism and the Me Too movement has put their money where their mouth is when they say that they want equality and they just want everything to be a level playing field. The day that they shift their attention onto women like that and try to help out those poor NBA players who are going to go out there, see a perfect ass and a uh, fucking rack of titties and, and, and not know what to do. All right? And women, what do they do? They blame guys. Well, that's your fault. That's your fucking fault for fucking being there, you know? You're thinking with your dick. That's fucking your fault. Right? None of their shit's their fault. Everything that we do is our fucking fault. Well, what were you doing? That's your fault for playing basketball and being really good at it. Um, 
You know, it'd be hilarious if I was running the NBA. Well, the players would get mad at me, but once they realized I was just trying to protect them and their fortune, I would have the NBA All-Star Game in Utah. (laughs) And then I would book them in super, super religious fucking... Uh, stupid. This is just stereotyping Utah. Like all the Mormons would somehow chase the whores out. You know, it's kind of like planting a garden where you got to have like, you know, the right plants that kind of work in unison that like attract like different bugs that then fight each other. So they kill each other and then your, your crops grow. Something like that. I talked to a farmer one time. I don't know. There's got to be a way to do that with Mormons and whores in the NBA uh, all-star game. There's got to be like a triangle offense of like vagina and dick somewhere in there that we can keep people separate and uh, there's just nothing worse as a man to see another guy go after a dream, make it fucking happen, and then lose all his money to a whore. You know, I mean, that's just just not something that, you know, if you're truly happy with your life, that you would want to see. Um, and that's my take on the NBA All-Star Game. Sorry. Um, this is how good I've been eating. I've been eating so perfectly. This afternoon, I went down a rabbit hole looking at different recipes for banana splits. I don't think I've had a banana split since I had a paper route 40-something fucking years ago. For some reason, I was just like, well, at this point, there's no fucking way people are still making the banana split with chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry ice cream. At some point, I know somebody... Guy Fieri or, or uh, 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 Emeril Lagasse, somebody, bam, kicked it up a notch. Somebody must have their own new take on it. And for the life of me, I couldn't find anybody. A few people caramelized the fucking bananas. But it's still just sort of that, like, you know. I mean, it looks like a dessert from the 1800s. I guess that's when it came out. There's like two cities that actually fight over who who came up with it. Kind of lets you know the level of excitement that's going on in both those cities. <laughs> I mean, they actually argue over it. There's a place in Ohio and then a place in Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania, according to historians about desserts, that's fucking hilarious. Can you imagine being a historian? Somebody fact checks. Like desserts. Like, remember that show, Pawn Stars? One of, by the way, one of the most, like, just as far as just misrepresenting an industry, Pawn Stars, 100% just misrepresented all of that. Like, I, I never, I was in a pawn shop one time before I watched Pawn Stars. I was selling a keyboard, if you can believe it. First time I lived in LA, I had a sparsely furnished one bedroom apartment with just a little keyboard because I had no musical outlet and I wasn't going to get by a guitar because I'd given up on that and I played drums and I just, you can't play drums in one bedroom apartment. So I was like, I'll learn how to play the piano. I swear to God, I was doing that. It was a low point in my life. Uh, but I was too detached from my emotions to realize how pathetic my life was at that point. So anyway, I'm moving back to New York and, uh, I'm selling all my shit and lo and behold, nobody wants the Casio keyboard. And there was a pawn shop down the street 
So I went in and I sold it, you know, and the guy gave me like $9 or some shit. I don't even know what it was. And I was like, all right, I'm good. I'm out. So I left and I kind of forgot about that pawn shop and I started watching Pawn Stars. And when you watch that fucking show, you get this idea that you're going to go down there and in that pawn shop is anything from a fucking numbers matching muscle car from the late 60s to a Super Bowl ring. And the reality is, is you walk in and it's just a bunch of shit. It's just wall to fucking wall shit. And I know that there are stories out there where people have found shit that people didn't know what they had. But I'm telling you, the amount of shit that you're going to have to wade through. It's just, it's not even fucking worth it. Um, oh, by the way, congratulations to Canada. Oh, Canada, the women won the fucking gold medal, beating the USA ladies. I wish I saw that game. I'm actually a big fan of uh, women's sports, believe it or not. Unlike women, I actually watch women's sports. <laughs> I actually support them. Women's hockey is great. Uh, women in the UFC are fucking incredible. Women's tennis, uh, volleyball for uh, the game and uh, other reasons, you know. You can't really count those. You can't count, like, you know, that shit. Like beach volleyball. If you're sitting there with half a stiffy, are you really a fucking fan? You got to be honest. I like uh, women's softball to get it back on the fucking rails. I just love watching those pitchers. With that fucking delivery, they'll right there, Fred, right to the fucking mitt. Um, I don't know how anybody hits that shit. Um, I like that. I like when the fucking, I like when the ringers get up and then they're facing some chick with some heat. And you get to see the classic battle. Power versus power. Is she going to go yad? Um, I don't know, but women, they just, I don't know, they just don't, uh, they just don't fucking... They don't watch it. Um, anyway, oh, we got a new advertiser here on the podcast. On the podcast here. Masterclass, everybody. www.masterclass.com. Uh, with Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best minds. Uh, unlike when you listen to me, these people are actually going to be smart, smart and informed. Anytime, anywhere, uh, at your own pace. You can learn how to write from David Mamet. Or Aaron Sorkin. I mean, the level of information that is on the internet is just incredible. Improv, improv. Improve your cooking skills with courses from Wolfgang Puck and Gordon Ramsay. Learn music. I saw this. Tom Morello has, you want to take a guitar lesson with Tom Morello? They got that. You want to learn about jazz? They got Herbie Hancock. The guy played with Miles Davis, Tony Williams. He, 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 he played with them all uh, with over 100 classes from a, uh, a range of world-class instructors uh, that you've always wanted to do. Uh, that thing you've always wanted to do is closer than you think. Immersive learning experience. Cinema quality classes that give you unparalleled access to a renowned master. Such a great idea. Lessons range from specifically showing you how to execute a technique to a master's insights about their craft that can be translated across many fields and disciplines. Yeah, like yeah, uh, Lewis Hamilton. Um, 
talks about, uh, you know, his mindset for success. Learn by doing with sessions by completing real-world projects following a hands-on 30-day curriculum with step-by-step guidance from our world-class instructors. Masterclass is available on your phone, web, or smart TV, offering classes on a wide variety of topics, all taught by world-class masters at the top of their field. Each class is broken out into individual video lessons, uh, usually around 10 minutes long. Uh, my shit is the, uh, the music lessons and cooking. Um, it's incredible. I got to check out the Gordon Ramsay ones. I like, uh, not only do I like the way he cooks, I like the stuff that he cooks. Uh, members can explore at their own pace. Um, each class is supported by downloadable materials, lessons, recipes, or more. Hundreds of videos. You want to talk about just having a great time? If you're worn out from work, you go do this. Get better at your hobby. And who knows, maybe your hobby will come become your job there. Uh, hundreds of video lessons from 100 plus of today's most, more, over 100 of today's most brilliant minds are available anytime, anywhere on iOS, Android, uh, desktop, Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, and Roku. Um, I would highly recommend, if I was going to check out anything, Questlove, uh, Tom Morello, Gordon Ramsay. Uh, who else did I see on there? Where is it? Masterclass. I was actually going through this. You want to learn? You want to learn uh, storytelling and hip hop? They got a guy named Nas. Ringo Starr talks drumming. This is all the music things. Um, Carlos Santana guitar lesson. If you want to be a DJ for all you young kids, they got Dead Mouse does one. Timbaland will teach you how to make some beats. Who else? They all categories. Here are the categories. I kind of went down a rabbit hole on this one. All right, let's check out writing. Something I'm trying to learn how to do. Uh, all right, Issa Rae, who created and starred in her own, was it HBO? Absolutely crushed that. Um, classic writers, I don't know any other. Aaron Sorkin, there we go. Uh, David Mamet. Judy Bloom. she's only written a thousand books. Okay, I need I need to I need to know more about writers. I didn't recognize any of that. That's like I was literally like I felt like I was back in math class when I just did that. All right, that was a bad one. Let's go food. We're gonna go food here. You find out what you want to do. Uh, <laughs> James Suckling, Thomas Keller. I don't know any of these people either. Damn it, Bill! Come on, Wolfgang Puck. I know Roy Choi. Bam. They got everybody on here. Oh, they got Sheila E. also talking about how to play drums and all. Bill, we get it. All right. Get unlimited access to every masterclass. And as a a Monday morning podcast listener, you get 15% off an annual membership. Go to masterclass.com slash Burr, B-U-R-R now. That's masterclass.com slash Burr for 15% off masterclass. Good Lord, man. I clicked on writing. That was just, I felt like I was watching Jeopardy. I'll take uh, popular American writers for fifteen hundred. Do you know somebody sent me a uh, a video, um, a clip? I was the answer. I couldn't believe it. This is like a, a moment in your entertainment career. I was the answer to a question on Jeopardy, and the guy sends me the clip, and I was like, "Holy shit!" They were like, 
this comedian's last, that last name begins with B, was one of the people on F is for Family. And I'm like, holy shit. And then they go to the three of the smartest people ever, and they just sat there staring at the guy. And it's like, beep, beep. <laughs> and they got it wrong. So all my excitement went out the window. It's like, Bill, you were an answer on Jeopardy. But nobody knew the end. No one knew who you were. Bum, bum, ba, dum, bam. All right, let's read some of the... Uh, some of the stories here for this week. Uh, dumb criminal story. Dear Billy Scarlet Scrotum Burr. I love it. Uh, love the show. Love all you do. This is my dumb criminal story. I live in the great white north and living in British Columbia. The drinking age is 19. Wait, what? I live in the great white north and living in British Columbia. I'm so stupid. All I saw was Colombia, and I was thinking South America. Okay, British Columbia, Canada. Oh, Canada. What happened to the men's team? Um, it's one of the provinces. Vancouver is in British Columbia, right? Okay. Anyway, the drinking age is 19, so my buddies and I figured out, figured we'd go to Alberta at 18, to party in downtown Calgary. I can tell you right now, that's a mistake. Dude, Calgary is a drinking town. I would not go there. And they got like fucking, those are cattle people. You could get, I, I would think you could get seriously fucked up if you looked at the wrong cowboy. Like, I always looked at Alberta like this is Texas. You know, it's oil fields and fucking, you know, cattle. And then I feel like Edmonton is like the Austin of like Alberta, where they think that they're better than everybody else out there. That's what I feel. All right. Anyway, this dickhead comes up to us with a knife while we waited to get into the, sh- into the show we were going to. Buddy asked, I love when they say that. That's, no, that's Canadian. Buddy. Buddy asked me, what do you think of this? And flashed me the knife. I told him I'd give him 50 bucks for it. Wow. Look at you fucking just coming up with this Steven Seagal n- line. Oh, I thought he was pulling the knife on you. I thought the guy pulled a knife on you. Like, what do you think of this? And you say, I'll give you 50 bucks for it. (laughs) No, I'm mugging you. All right. Buddy gives me the knife. I throw it in the trash. Beat the fucking wheels off him and took my money. Took back my money. Wait a minute. This really happened? Well, there goes my theory on Calgary. One of my favorite stories to tell Anyway, hope you found it as funny as I did. Have a great day and go fuck yourself. Okay, I, 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 when he said, what do you think of this? Was he trying to mug you? Buddy asked me, what do you think of this? And flashed me the knife. I told him I'd give him 50 bucks for it. Buddy gives me the knife. I throw it in the trash, beat the fucking wheels off him and took back my money. You definitely don't live in Vancouver. I didn't get that vibe in Vancouver, but you're, you're, are you north of the city? All right, the moral of the story is uh, don't pull a knife on anybody in fucking Canada. Lunatics. Lunatics. Everybody thinks they're fucking nice up there. Look at the sport they created and know that fighting is legal. Oh, they're so nice and polite. Um, all right. 22. 22 caliber robbery story. Dear Billy Bumblebutt, On a recent podcast, you asked for robbery stories. I got one for you that I think you'll appreciate. 
especially given your old bit about how a 22 caliber is all you need. Years ago, I worked on a construction crew with two old guys who were best buds and had worked together for years in the D.C. area. Uh, one black, one white. Charlie, a 70-year-old white guy, told me a story about Jimmy with an eye, like Hendrix, a 69-year-old black guy. Jimmy owned a car repair garage in D.C. in the 70s. One day, a white guy came in and stuck a gun in his face and demanded his cash from the register. Jimmy, not wanting any trouble, opened the till and handed it over. But after the robber took the money, he called Jimmy a nasty name I will not repeat here, I imagine, and hit him across the head with his revolver before running out the door. This pissed Jimmy off, so he grabbed a twenty-two pistol from under the counter and went after the guy. He caught up with him in the parking lot and shot him in the leg with the twenty-two. The guy crawled under a car. As Charlie told me in his thick Virginia accent, Jimmy was there trying to shoot him again. (laughs) The police showed up and arrested both of them. The white robber did a year in jail, and Jimmy, being a black guy in D.C. in the 70s, had to do a few months himself for shooting a white guy. Wow. After about a year or two, Jimmy is back at work at his garage, and who should walk in but the fucking robber? He walked up to Jimmy and said, hey, I just wanted to let you know I'm out of jail now. Jimmy looked him square in the face and said, well, I just want to let you know I got rid of my 22 and I now got a 38. The guy backed out of the place and Jimmy never had any more trouble from him. Wow. Well, I was hoping for a happy ending. I just got out of jail and I want to say, you know, I shouldn't have called you that word. and I shouldn't. I'm on the straight and narrow and I'm looking for a job. Um, Wow. That's a couple of men, man stories right there. I can't, I can't follow any of those. I got, all right, I got a robbery story. I got punked out of some money at um, Downtown Crossing. Downtown fucking Crossing in Boston in the early 80s doing Christmas shopping in front of Long's Jewelry. They just punked me out of the money. They said that they needed money for the subway. And then his tall friend who looked like fucking Weird Harold from uh, Fat Albert, goes, you better do what he says. And I just gave him the money. That fucking bugged the shit out of me. But, like, rather than just taking the ass kicking, you know, in hindsight, I did the right thing. Because <laughs> I was going to lose. Uh, <clears throat> Santa robs a bank. Hey there, Billy Ball Bruiser. Uh, I'll get straight to the point. We're all busy. A few years back during SantaCon, SantaCon? A Santa robbed a bank. Wait a second. Is this like Comic-Con, but with Santa Clauses? <clears throat> so there's a bunch of Santas walking around, so a guy dressed... This is, that's brilliant. SantaCon. SantaCon 2021 brings out... Oh, my God, it's a bunch of fucking jerk-offs dressed like Santa. Okay, it is. All right. A few years back during SantaCon, a Santa robbed a bank. What is SantaCon, you ask? SantaCon is a day where a bunch of idiots dress like Santa Claus and bar hop all day and night. All right. Are they idiots? I mean, that sounds like fun. If you just go in there like, oh, ho, ho, I love Christmas, and you stand in there sweating your ass off in that dumb outfit. But once you, if you're just bar hopping, that seems great. And you know there's going to be some chicks out there that's going to be a fetish, and then you got the little Santa Clausettes showing up. I mean, whatever, you know. It's the holidays. Is it, is it just for kids? I don't think so. Uh, well, this particular Santa Con, one smart Santa out of all the idiots hatched a genius plan. He dressed as Santa, walked out of a huge crowd of Santas on the street, 
and into a downtown San Francisco bank. He pulled his beard slightly down and waited in line. When he got to the teller, he handed her a note that said he was armed and they emptied the drawer. He grabbed a few stacks of cash, put it in his Santa bag, and walked back out of the street as to instantly blend in with thousands of other Santas. Fucking genius. They never got him. You can Google this story even with your remedial Googling skills. Hey, man, come on. All right, open the link. Santa, this is in the LA Times. Doesn't necessarily mean it's true with those fucking lunatics, or any of them, I should say. Uh, at least one Santa Claus in San Francisco is not carrying a sack full of toys. It's December 16th, 2014. Good for him. Good for him. All right, attempted robbery. Hey, Oli. Hey, hey, old Billy Bank. Robber! Back in 2020, my wife and I were on vacation together down in Orlando and went over to Daytona for a couple of nights for a NASCAR ride-along at the Speedway and to check out the area. When we got there, we went into a subway for a quick lunch, and while we were sitting and eating, this guy walks in with a hoodie, hoodie up, a gator mask on, and hand in his pocket like he has a gun. He says to two teenagers working there, give me all the money. They stood back and told the guy he needed to leave. He proceeded to threaten them and keep saying to give up the money, but they didn't and could care less what he was doing. After a minute or so, the manager comes out back with a mop and says, Willie, you get out of here. The robber responds, I'm not Willie. You need to give me all the money. The manager then starts to come around the counter saying, you get the fuck out of here or I'm going to bust your head. Willie says, okay, fine. Just give me a cold cut trio and no one gets hurt. I almost died laughing, then realized my wife was terrified. I assumed that they knew the guy based on their reaction to begin with, but my wife clearly did not. Willie left without a sandwich and the manager came over and apologized. Says, that's just a crackhead that comes in and is harmless. If he bothers you when you leave, just tell him to go away or you'll beat his ass. We ended up going back to the speedway for my ride along. And then she got a refund on the hotel room when we drove back to Orlando. I'll never forget the look on her face as I busted out laughing when I heard him ask for a sandwich. Still to this day, whenever she pulls the typical wife, what do you feel like having for dinner? I respond with, just give me a cold cut trio. That's awesome. Big fan, love the podcast. My six-year-old son and I have watched every Mandalorian episode multiple times, and you are great in it. Well, thank you so much. And thank you to everybody over at The Mandalorian that writes The Mandalorian, because without them, I'm just a guy in a space outfit. Um, All right, moved in with girlfriend and gained 30 pounds. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, now you can't leave. Hey, Bill, a longtime listener. I need help here. I used to be a CrossFitter. I love how I looked. Uh, It wasn't to attract women, but it was more for myself. I love the feeling of having a body that wasn't being weighed down by fat. It was amazing. Later, I moved in with my girl, stopped doing CrossFit. Why did you stop? Because, oh, because that's a $200 a month and bills took the front of it. Oh. Back to her. She has always been the chubby, nerdy type girl. I love her tips. I love her. Tits captivated me from the beginning, but she also is about 30 pounds overweight. You guys couldn't meet in the middle and just be 15 over? In the beginning, I thought I could change her, but she actually changed me. Oh, you know, 
Never underestimate the, the power of a rack of titties. Um, I started eating like she does, and I gained 30 pounds. She will compromise and go to the gym once a week, but she won't change her eating habits. She described herself as a foodie. It's really an addict, you know, if, you, if you're doing something like that and it's hurting you. It's a term for someone who loves food and makes their personality about loving food and cooking food, or as some other people like to call it, a fatty. Exactly. By the way, she makes healthy food. It's just that she eat mindlessly without thinking. Mindlessly like that fucking sentence. How many words are you going to leave out in this thing? Bill, what, do you, what would you do? Thank you. Uh, and then he says, I, in some language I don't know, vet a la chingada. Vet a la chingada. I got to say it fast. Vet a la chingada. Vet a la chingada. Go fuck yourself. I just became a ringtone in like Venezuela or some shit. Um, anyway, um, what would I do? Um, well, listen, if she wants to be fat and you like her that way, she can be fat. 30 pounds overweight coming at you with those nice tits. What do you give a shit? All right. I think uh, you just don't want to have the same size. You don't want to be able to borrow her bras. <laughs> you don't want the same size titties as hers. So what I would do is I would just say, listen, I'm not going to pressure you to go. I wouldn't even say that. I would just fucking fork over 200 bucks a month and start going to CrossFit again. All right. That's it. And I keep myself in good shape. And uh, as far as wanting her to get in good shape and better shape, there's nothing you can do about it. You can't make somebody want to get in shape. They have to want to do it. And if they don't, they don't. Don't waste your time with that. That is their choice. It's. Oh, my God. I fucking hate when I do that. I accidentally shut it off. Now I got to splice these things together. It's her body, her choice, man. Don't tell her what to do with her body, all right? If she wants to fucking make s'mores and stick them in an ice cream sandwich, that's on her. But um, you don't have to get dragged down to her level, all right? That's what they always say. You got to watch out who you hang out with because eventually you're going to be doing what, they, that, what they're doing. So what, maybe if you start going to the gym, if you start setting an example... And just get back into insane fucking shape again. Um, you know. Maybe she'll come along with you. But I think it's cool that she, you know, you, she sounds cool. She liked you when you were in shape. She likes you when you're 30 pounds over. So it sounds like uh, you got a good one there. But I would just... Um, you know, you guys sound like you're young. The thing about that shit is when you're young, it doesn't really affect you. But it, then one day, it, it all comes crashing down and you have all of these fucking health issues and your knees start giving out and you got to go on pills and then that fucks with your liver and it just, it just takes you down. It takes you down. So uh, I hate to be the fucking old guy here, but good eating habits are important to establish those when you're younger. Um, so then when you get older... You can go out and get a root beer float and fucking crush some old fashions. You know, it's always those little fucking spry people that keep on living. Um, but whatever. Like I said, you can't make her do anything she doesn't want to do. Uh, it sounds like you're doing what she's doing and you don't really want to be doing it. So I'd go back to doing what you did before. And then that's it. It's 200 bucks. Fuck it. It's only $200. You're probably eating fucking $300 worth of fries a month. <laughs> 
All right. Okay. That's it. That's the podcast, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I'm about to get really busy. So I'm going to do the best I can with these podcasts. I will definitely be having the Monday morning podcast every week. But for the month of March, it's going to get a little fucking crazy here. Uh, But I'm going to try to knock out as many as I can. Uh, That is it. I appreciate your support. That is all. March Madness is coming up. Uh, Start watching some college hoop. All right, go fuck yourselves, and I'll check in on you on Thursday.